It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to The World in 10, your daily roundup of the biggest stories from across the world as seen through the eyes of the Times of London. I'm Jenny Barsby. And I'm Eleanor Shearwood. Brexit is back in the headlines. Finland's pushing to join NATO. And how about losing for a living? We'll cover all of that and more in the next 10 minutes. Okay, let's start this podcast with some quick fire history. On the 31st of January, the UK left the European Union. The process was called Brexit. That's Britain's exit. Except not all the UK fully left. No, Northern Ireland was the thorn in the Brexit side. Why? Because it's the only bit of the UK which has a land border with the EU, i.e. into the Republic. But with Brexit, the UK left the EU single market, which meant the introduction of certain customs checks and trade controls But this would effectively have introduced a hard border between Northern Ireland and the Republic, which no one wanted. And am I right in thinking that's where the Northern Ireland Protocol came in? That is exactly right. It's an agreement between the UK and the EU, which meant that while Northern Ireland is formally outside the EU single market, EU free movement of goods, are you following this? Mm -hmm. Uh, And the rules for that and EU customs union rules still apply. And it was really unpopular with the EU That's all fine, but why did the US get involved? Good question. So it comes down to peace and the 25-year-old Good Friday Agreement, of which the US is a guarantor. Uh, President Joe Biden, who's maintained close ties to Ireland, has repeatedly raised concerns that the continuing arguments over the protocol could jeopardise that agreement. Which could therefore threaten peace. Exactly. But yesterday, what's being billed as a major breakthrough was announced by the UK and the EU in the form of the... Windsor framework, indeed, which will, we're told, definitely sort out the issues raised in the protocol and, more importantly, re-establish a functioning government in Northern Ireland after a 12-month hiatus. Now, the devil, they say, is in the detail, and I'm going to leave that up to Charlotte Ivers, Times Radio's political correspondent, and she's going to sum up the framework for us in around about 30 seconds. Sunak has now established green and red lanes for goods that are travelling to Northern Ireland. They can just go through the green lane and have fewer checks when they're coming from the rest of the UK. And then if they're going on to the Republic of Ireland, they will have more significant checks. That should smooth the trade element of all of this. As well, Westminster will now be able to set VAT rates in Northern Ireland, so that alleviates some of those concerns about different treatment. And on top of that as well, if there are any new EU laws that Northern Irish politicians do 
object to, then Westminster will have an emergency break on those laws and they won't be applied in Northern Ireland. So how has this been received by the US? Well, so far, the mood music from Washington appears to be positive. In a tweet, President Biden described yesterday's joint announcement as an essential step to ensuring that the hard-earned peace and progress of the Belfast Good Friday Agreement is preserved and strengthened. But what's changed? Now, one of the most read articles on the Times website today asks, why did Europe move so much with this deal and not the last one? Times policy editor Oliver Wright and Whitehall editor Chris Smythe believe a lot of it was down to UK Prime Minister Rishi Sunak not being either Boris Johnson or his short-lived successor Liz Truss. The European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen greeted him as Dear Rishi and described how the two of us were honest with each other, that both she and Mr Sunak knew we needed to listen to each other's concerns very carefully. Well, this all sounds positive. What happens now? Well, this is where things could go awry again. Unionists, who want to remain part of the UK, were so angered that the protocol had created different rules for Northern Ireland to the rest of the UK, they walked out of the government in Belfast, meaning political stalemate. So what's needed now is agreement from the DUP. Holly Hudson, our reporter outside Stormont, told us how the Windsor framework's been received in Northern Ireland. The Irish News, Belfast Telegraph, the newsletter, crunch time for unionism, PM seeks unionist backing for the deal, make or break. It's been sort of broadly positive response from businesses, of course. They say that they've sort of received the certainty and stability that they've been craving since the original protocol uh, and that there is much to celebrate within this deal. That is just one part of the puzzle here, one part of the picture, because for the rest of the public, The question is, will this restore government to Northern Ireland? That's what they've been without for over a year. That's what they want. They just want politicians to start doing their job. And The Times will, of course, be the place to come as the story continues to develop. Why not take out a subscription? We're going to cover some developments from NATO now because Finland is preparing to join it alone without Sweden. Its parliament is debating a bill today to speed up its NATO bid and a vote is expected by tomorrow. For context, we know Finland and Sweden have been trying to join since they dropped their neutrality last year when Russia invaded Ukraine. Now, only Hungary and Turkey are left to approve. All member states have to do so. But Sweden's struggling because Turkey's president's against them joining. He thinks Stockholm supports the Kurdish Workers' Party, which he's called a terrorist group. Well, they're expected to begin talks next week, but President Erdogan hasn't promised they'll be successful. On the other hand, Turkey is feeling more positive about Finland joining. Well, today, the head of NATO, that's Jens Stoltenberg, is visiting Finland. He doesn't think it's important they join at the same time, and he has already stated his position on this. There are some challenges remains when it comes to Sweden, uh, but... uh, President Erdogan and I agreed that we should convene a meeting of um, Turkey, Finland and Sweden uh, mid-March in the near future uh, to address uh, uh, the challenges uh, we face when it comes to Turkish ratification of uh, the Swedish uh, accession protocol. My message uh, is that both Finland and uh, Sweden should be ratified. 
And this afternoon, he reiterated that, said that their joining is a top priority. He also said progress is being made, but didn't give any details. But essentially, it all boils down to lots and lots of talks. In separate talks, Hungary sending a delegation to Finland next week for more. Now, I have a question for you. Have you heard that there are runners who are actually paid to lose their races. Really? (laughs) I kind of thought the whole point of being in a race was to win it. Yeah, I thought the same thing. But in the world section of the Times today is a fascinating interview with American Eric Savinsky. He's one of the world's most sought-after pace setters, helping runners start at a steady rate before then bowing out and letting them take the glory. Savinsky, who was a very successful professional runner, made the move into pace setting full-time in 2021. He says that at 33, which is considered elderly, for the 800 metre runner. This has given his career an extra kick. (laughs) Now from running to, sorry, tenuous link, stirring, a Michelin-starred chef has been accused of sabotaging French culinary heritage. Okay, this is not quite as dramatic as that might make it sound. All he's done is added cheese to a quiche Lorraine. Cheese to a quiche Lorraine? Shock. (laughs) In a YouTube video, Philippe Echevest, who's one of France's most famous chefs, said he knew it would anger people. Déjà les puristes criaient au scandale parce qu'on ne met pas de fromage dans la quiche Lorraine. And he was completely right. Quiche purists are raging. They say the true dish comes from Lorraine in eastern France and is made up of just eggs, creme fraiche, lardon and pastry. Yeah, and what they're saying is anything else is a tart... Uh, the French papers, I can't believe this. The French papers are calling it Quichegate. Which is very different from Partygate, <laughs> I think. But here in Britain, we sabotage quiche all the time. And the article in The Times actually references how here we sell it with cheddar in, but also with things like broccoli, tomatoes, and even salmon. I can't imagine how that would go down in France. Absolutely. And the uh, National Union for the Defence and Promotion of Authentic Quiche Lorraine, yes, that's a thing, have weighed in and said, a quiche is not like a couscous. You can't add whatever you want. But don't even try it. (laughs) Indeed. I've come down now to speak to Susie Jagger, who's the Times Deputy Foreign Editor. What are you working on at the moment? We've got a great piece from Anthony Lloyd, which uh, he's he's filing from uh, Ukraine, which is on Russian defections to Ukraine, more specifically the Ukrainian Armed Forces. There are special uh, units within the Ukrainian Armed Forces that vet Russians to make sure that they're not um, undercover and that they are genuine in their, their motivations for fighting for Ukraine. That's it for today's World in 10. We'll be back tomorrow. See you then. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.